This program may include depictions of health conditions that could be distressing for certain listeners. The views expressed on this program belong solely to the individuals featured and do not represent the opinions of Himalaya Wellness Company or GeoSav. It is important to note that this program is not intended to defame any individual, entity, caste, community, race or religion, nor to disparage any institution or person, whether living or deceased. It should be understood that this program is not a replacement for professional medical advice. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to The House of Wellness, Season 2. Powered by Himalaya Wellness Company. Streaming on Geo Savan. Welcome to the House of Wellness, powered by Himalaya Wellness Company. Himalaya is one of the leading global herbal healthcare brands that has been harnessing the science of Ayurveda since the 1930s. We are present in over 100 countries, spreading the promise of wellness in every home and happiness in every heart to millions of homes around the globe. Welcome to the House of Wellness Season 2, a podcast powered by Himalaya Wellness Company. This season, we embark on a journey exploring the various facets of holistic wellness through our conversations with influential personalities from the health, sports and social sectors. Each episode focuses on a specific theme, such as mindfulness, sustainable living, nutrition and mental health, uncovering insights into leading a balanced and holistic lifestyle. House of Wellness Season 2 is designed to empower you with knowledge and inspiration, making wellness a fundamental part of your journey. Tune in to embark on a healthier and happier life. I'm Charu Sharma. In this episode, we are very happy to welcome somebody very special, Vani Murthy, who is an environmentalist, a homemaker, and a solid waste management professional. If we're going to live in a better world, We'll owe it to Vani. Vani, thanks so much for joining us. Well, we're delighted to have a professional in what is a very important part of our world, sustainability. I also know that you have a moniker, a sort of a nickname, <laughs> Worm Rani. Is that true? And when did you get it? Yeah, I think uh, when I started this journey, uh, I started using uh, social media. And then uh, when I got onto Instagram, I tried to get a name. And uh, my friend suggested, why not make it something perky? So <laughs> since you are playing around with worms, you know, talking about them, let's make it Worm Rani. Because they were already calling me Compost Queen. So <laughs> she said, make it Worm Rani. I said, why not? Well, I like Compost Queen. <laughs> <laughs> but that is, of course, the core of what you do. And surely there's a story to why you have dedicated so much precious time for a very precious topic, sustainability and the management of waste. What led to the start of this journey? Because surely you weren't involved with this all your life. No, definitely not. I've been a regular homemaker, wife, mother, doing all the things at home, but never anything outside home. So uh, when my kids grew up, I was 45 and I thought I should explore something uh, more than what I'm already doing. And that's when I started going out, meeting people, attending meetings of the resident association. And then I actually started interacting with people who are doing a lot of work. And it fascinated me that there's so much you can contribute beyond your home. And that's where I think the entire trigger to stay in that space and learn more and understand. 
So I met Dr. Meenakshi, who is my mentor, who is already in a professional. And at the same time, she was doing so much. And then she introduced me to a big problem. She said, waste is humongous and we need to do something. And uh, we, uh, we were a part of a campaign called WOW, Wealth Out of Waste, where we had to get more and more people aware on segregating their waste. And then we started meeting more people who were doing the same amount of work around awareness in different parts of the city, in Bangalore city. And something, the universe just puts you together. And it was so marvelous that we came as a team and created the Solid Waste Management Roundtable and we visited the landfill. That was my turning point. I can never go back to my old life after understanding the impact of my action. So when we visited the landfill, I swore that I will not send my waste there. So if I don't send my waste there, what do I do with the waste that I generate? We all generate waste. So I think that has become the most important turning point for me. And I've never stopped after that. So it was 2010 that we visited and I am growing, learning, evolving, understanding. I understand there's this huge social media that is so powerful where you can put out things and there are people who are actually willing to listen. So it has been an awesome journey. I can say I, I've never been this happy and this productive my entire life. Well, you haven't and, and you'll make so many other people happy yeah. by just uh, nurturing the world. We'll get to more of that though. But I'm still wondering what drew you to this because there are so many other options when you decided to step out of your home. Why waste management? Or was it just a, a quirk of fate that you chose to do something that's very important for our world because you could have done anything else? I, I just think that waste happened to me. I mean, I didn't go seeking anything. Uh, what organically I could connect to was this. And it was very important for me because I generate waste and I'm, I'm not taking responsibility for it. And how can we get more and more people to take responsibility of the waste they generate? So that's become a very uh, focus point. And it kept me in this space because I enjoy making a difference to this ecosystem by uh, being responsible citizens of this planet. This is one planet that we have and we really can't leave trash behind for future generations. That stuck in my head because I heard this saying that we don't inherit this planet, but we borrow it from the future. And what are we leaving behind? So it was a very important question that we have to keep asking ourselves at every point of our lives. It's just the universe that conspired for me to be in this space. And I'm so happy to be here. You mentioned universe twice already. And I agree with you because sometimes destiny just draws you in certain yes. directions. Yes. And we want you to continue, please, because <laughs> uh, as much as you can. Yeah. Tell me a bit about that landfill experience, because I don't think there are many people who've gone to a landfill yeah. and kind of really absorbed what's going on in there. Yeah. So what is it all about? And and I know there's a huge landfill that I see outside Delhi once in a while when we're there. And it's like a mountain of waste, exactly. which just appears kind of unnatural, unreal. And yet they exist around most big cities in India, don't they? Right, right. So as a team, when we formed the team, it was citizens team, where concerned citizens concerned about the environment of the city and the management of the city's waste. We decided to visit the landfill. As we approached, as you said, the mountain of garbage, we could get the sting. It was so bad and there are villages all around. And the landfill is a place where garbage gets dumped. It's not a scientific place. It's not managed without pollution. So it creates a lot of issues, not just to the people who are living around, because there are people actually growing our food. Most of our food comes from the outskirts and there are landfills around the city areas. And what really happens at the landfill is all the waste that the city generates, that too in mixed forms, they get dumped there. And as they dump every day, they compact it 
so that they can make space for the next More. day. So lorry loads of them go and dump it there. And the one that I visited was called Mavalipura. When we visited, there was already a lot of protests to stop dumping there. And the villages were also rising to say that, you know, this is not done. It is affecting us. And what we found, at least what I got to know, which I never knew before, is the pollution that it generates. So when organic matter, because 60% of what we generate at our homes, individual homes, is organic in nature. That comes from our kitchen. And they get trapped in these landfills because they compact it. And when organic matter gets compacted, it starts to break down anaerobically without the help of oxygen. So methane gets generated. So landfills emit so much of methane, which is like 20-25% more toxic than carbon dioxide. So first of all, air pollution happens. Secondly, this organic matter that's getting broken down in an anaerobic way starts to flow out the leachate. Leachate is a very strong toxic fluid that's not contained, but it is let out. And this goes into the ground, into the soil and into the water table. So the three things that are so vital for us to live on this planet, air, water and soil to grow our food are getting contaminated. When that strikes you, that you are contributing to that pollution, you will definitely want to make a choice about what you're going to do, how responsible you're going to be about what you want to generate, how you're going to manage it, how you're going to divert it away from the landfill. So if I could understand that, why not let others also be sensitive about what happens in a landfill? It's not just the landfill, it enters the oceans, plastic is everywhere. So it's our lifestyle. Basically, we need to look at what is our contribution to a better planet. Well, that's why we're happy to have you here today. So you can spread the message further through our platform. But you mentioned air, uh, water and soil. Let's begin with soil. All three are very important because obviously soil gets very badly contaminated. And better soil, organic soil or organic produce through better soil is such a key for our health. So can you spread some more light on that? Because your efforts are obviously helping regenerate the soil yeah. to be more organic. Yeah. And can you tell us a little more about how that whole process is managed? Right. I never understood what food I'm eating. We just go to the supermarket, pick up food, fruits, vegetables, groceries. But then the minute I started managing my waste and realized that 60% of my waste is organic in nature and it is the smallest portion that I can manage. If I dump it along with the municipality, it's a huge, like Bangalore generates 5,000 to 6,000 tons per day. So since I decided I won't contribute to that, I started to compost. I failed terribly in the first attempt because I didn't understand the process. But then when I actually started doing well and started understanding, it was magical. I say it's the rent I pay every day to live on this planet. Because when I compost that 60% of the waste that I generate, I'm creating not just an amazing soil to grow food, but also I'm not letting it go. Good resources get lost. In every way, it's a win-win when you start composting. And once I composted, I realized that this organic matter that we generate is not waste. It should go back to where it belongs and it belongs to the soil. And soil should be a living soil. That's where we need to grow our food. Most of us don't understand that our food is all so toxic because there's so much chemicals, pesticides, herbicides, all kinds of things that are toxic to you when you consume. That's how the food is grown. So you start making powerful choices on your food itself. Once you understand and you grow a little bit of food in your own space, if you have a little balcony, you compost, then you know you start growing something, maybe some spinach or some coriander. Then you realize that you know this is health because it's dense in nutrients. So if your land, if your soil gets depleted of any organic matter, there's no life in it because the life 
the microorganisms, earthworms, they all depend on organic matter. I mean, that's completely missing and you put toxic chemicals. There's pollution, there's plastic everywhere. So there are microplastics in your soil. So it is coming back to you in some form or the other. And this soil, if it doesn't have organic matter, it has no water retention. There's no humus. So it does not hold water. So there is runoff. Soil completely depletes. It becomes desertification. Sounds like a terrible cycle. Yeah, absolutely. But is soil, can it be regenerated? Because once it's lost all its values over centuries of farming and, and perhaps now more and more chemical farming, as you put it, it can regenerate because I can understand compost helping on an individual level in your own home, balcony, wherever else. But on a larger scale, where the ground is still large agricultural situations, can they be provided with this organic compost or is that a challenge? Actually, you should go back to traditional methods of farming. You always had the cows in the farm. All the farm waste was put back into the soil. They was healthy with earthworms. We all study in that earthworms are the farmer's best friend. If you see some of the farmers who still believe in natural farming, in farming, organic is a very new word. We are talking about constantly regenerating the soil. So when the desertification happens and when your soil is depleted completely of organic matter and microorganisms, then there is no life. So you need to put back. So it definitely it helps when you bring back the practices of biodiversity in your farming, not monocropping. So I think farming methods needs to shift back to traditional methods of farming where you use Jeevamruta, which really, you know, kicked up the entire essence of the life under the soil. And all the cow dung, cow urine, they were all a part of the agricultural practices. So for me, even I grow on my terrace, I still have all these practices. And it's amazing that you are on a daily basis in touch with nature. All-round wellness happens there. We are disconnected. In today's world, we are so disconnected, not just from soil, from nature itself. When we want to be in nature, we want to go to some resort and, you know, enjoy the, uh, you know, lovely wooded area and all. But the minute you see a scorpion or something, you don't want that. So it's an ecosystem that you should just embrace. That's what we need people to do. Get in touch with nature, be a part of nature. This is a house of wellness program. So I will ask you to please expand a bit more about the nutrition aspect of just growing more acceptable, call it organic crops. One, of course, there seems to be a direct correlation with health. But two, is there also a situation where the farmers are afraid of a lower yield by not using chemicals? And is that a challenge now where they say, no, no, we've got to increase our yield because organic and all that's fine, but it's reducing our yield. Yeah, since I'm an urban farmer, I understand what I grow. I still don't know what happens at large scale with farmers. But my general understanding that I have heard people talk about, experts talk about it because I'm no expert. I'm a practitioner who just wants to amplify awareness and education. That's it. But I definitely believe that if you have these practices, you can not just keep the soil healthy, you can keep people healthy. Going back and doing things that are important for our ecosystem, maintaining the biodiversity, making sure there's, you know, under our feet, there's more life. Like they say, one handful of soil that is organic, which has microorganisms, there are more microorganisms than the number of people on this planet in one handful. I mean, that's kind of life, vibrant oh, life. Sounds under, incredible. Yeah, that's the vibrant life that's, under that's your billions. feet. Billions. Billions. That's the life under the feet that we need to maintain, which people have forgotten, you know. So again, so much of food gets wasted. You grow so much of food, half the food you dump. This kind of farming is really good. They say they can feed the entire world if you go into that. But again, everybody is going to hospitals, because nutrition is lacking. Pandemic was one great revelation that you have immunity, very low immunity. Why do you have low immunity? Because you don't have nourishment. So if there is life in soil, that life 
creates the nutrients for the plants to absorb readily available. And when the plants absorb that, we get that nutrients directly from the plant that's grown in that soil. There is a direct connect, there is a cycle that we need to maintain. It's for our own health and the planet's health. You know, the more I hear about all of this, the more it sounds like such a big universe that we'll need hours to keep talking about it. But I will have to advise people, eat frugally and don't waste food because it's very important, as Vani says. For the moment, organic food, whatever is labeled as such, one, of course, it has to be well-regulated, no doubt. I hope it is. And two, it always seems to be more expensive than regular food. Now, that is obviously a problem when it comes to wider affordability. Is that reducing this width, this gap between yeah, affordability? I think so. If you take my personal experience, I too thought that uh, organic food is expensive. But if I go to a supermarket, but what if I connect directly with a farmer? So I'm a part of a community-supported agriculture where a group of farmers are growing regional, seasonal, local, and they don't use anything that you know hurts their life in soil. And I subscribe to them. Whether they send me the same thing again and again, I'm fine with it because I know they don't have organic certification. I trust the farmer who believes in what was passed down by his generations, the kind of agriculture. So a lot of people tell me it's expensive. But I ask, tell me, why is the other food so cheap? You know, if this is expensive, why is the other food so cheap? It's grown in mass. You don't have control on how much of pesticides they put. So find farmers, go to farmer's market, find small-time farmers who are growing in medium and, you know, small scale. And they have biodiversity in their farm. There is no pest attack because they know what to grow at which season and rotation of crops. So there is so much intricate design behind the growing of food. So I think it's important for people to realize and not just say, because today's lifestyle is so fast-paced, people don't even pause to think that is the food that we eat is helping us. Or harming or us. Harming us. Mm. Which takes me to this next word of the nutritional power of food and better circumstances that is grown organically or so. Is it also therefore just naturally more nutritious in terms of the nutrients all that food has, you know, whether it's vegetables or pulses or whatever else? Definitely it should be. It should be nutrient dense because it is grown in organic soil. That's it. You know, if we know that there is the soil that has life, and food is grown. I mean, research will say people who have been talking about organic farming and people who talk about natural farming, they have come out with so much of data saying that definitely this food is more nutritious. There is so much of content in every way and there are no toxins. First thing is you won't have any toxins. It's absorbed. Just less poisonous to begin with. Yeah. But if we can relate that perhaps to the mental development of all those who eat more nutritious food, not necessarily expensive food, is there a correlation that you found where mentally people are obviously benefiting from just eating food that's cleaner? I'm an example. <laughs> so uh, yeah. people ask me, you have so much energy. If I was not doing what I was doing, I don't know, I would be such a bored housewife sitting and watching serials and, you know, I don't know my what my life would be. But today I'm so energetic. I just love to go my garden, being in touch with nature, you know, just encouraging the biodiversity within my terrace, the birds, the butterflies, you know, I rear butterflies so that people know that these are caterpillars that are eating your food, not your food, it's their food. You know, if they see a caterpillar on a curry patta plant, they think it's a pest and they spray something or kill mm -hmm. it. I say they have the first right on it. So to create awareness, I rare to make sure that they see the cycle of life. So I put out reels and videos to make sure that people understand that we need to let nature thrive. Even in urban spaces, we are given a chance to grow a garden and let monkeys come. They eat my tomatoes and I'm fine with it because they also need to eat food. I'm not growing food for myself. I can buy it. I can buy it from farmers. 
But if these creatures come into my terrace, they are most welcome to eat what they want. Well, they're eating one of the most yeah. expensive vegetables for the moment <laughs> because of the tomato like prices. Figs, but I have this joke that I have one fig plant in a pot. And uh, whenever it gives the fruit, I will be looking at it. I'll say, maybe these two will get ripe tomorrow. They may be good today, but I'll wait tomorrow. But I say the monkey's already put its <laughs> calendar. You know, he knows when to visit my terrace and he will take it. So it's okay. It's good fun to also see that they enjoy coming onto my garden. Yeah. Well, the most important word here is, in a sense, for our wellness campaign, sustainability. Now, I know you haven't used it enough so far, but obviously what you do is leading to sustainability of not just agriculture or plants, but of the world itself. And can we spend a little more time on just how these practices will ensure that we live in a cleaner, better world and a sustainable world? Sustainability is a word that has been thrown around a lot now. To me, sustainability is going back a couple of generations. They lived sustainable. There was no waste. There was nothing they were over-consuming. So this is one planet which has resources, limited resources. And uh, we over-consume and uh, the kind of wastage happens and then pollution because of that. So we need to start looking at how we can conserve this natural resource that's available. Be mindful of the way we live, our lifestyle choices, so that we don't pollute this planet. You know, we don't burden this Mother Earth and leave her in a mess for future generations to deal with. We are already seeing so many changes happening with the climate. So the path of sustainability is to pick up practices. Probably if you didn't know how your grandparents lived, go and visit how they lived, what kind of lifestyle they had. That's it. You know, you go back, understand what they did and then practice them. Take a cloth bag. Your grandfather or grandmother would have taken a cloth bag. Don't accept plastic. One time used. Nobody used tissues those days. It was always even rag cloths old lungi or a bunion, they would cut and, you know, mopping, you know, cleaning your stuff. So you are constantly reusing resources till the end of its life and uh, mindful of not over-consuming things. Single use has become the biggest bane on the society. You take a bottle water and, you know, it has taken so much energy to bring that water in that bottle to you and then you use it for a short while and you discard it. So, Sustainability is about picking up practices, being mindful and not stopping after the trend is gone. So if the fad is gone, then you stop that practice. No, it has to be till the end of your life. It's like you get up and brush your teeth. Every day you do it till the end of your life. So sustainability should become a part of you. Like that. You know what really gets me, the core of me, is seeing so much plastic lying around in say rivers and small streams. It's just infested with plastic. And one of my favorite dreams, I don't know if I'll have the kind of energy you have, is just cleaning up the plastic that's lying around. And of course, there are some people who do that and I take my hat off to them. But would you maybe get involved in that as well? Just cleaning up the environment in terms of the plastics lying around? And I don't know what can be done. There's a lot of anti-plastic movement, but just to clean up the amount of plastic waste lying around in our streams. So I'm getting to water now. We've dealt with soil and water also is such an important aspect of our sustainability. Is there, do you think, enough being done to clean that aspect up? And of course, groundwater as well, through a better waste management. They're all contaminated in every way. There's plastic everywhere, as you said. You just can't do without plastic. But definitely you can be aware of how much you generate, right? Because it does end up in water waste. And another thing that I have adopted at home is that I won't just discharge chemicals from my home into the water waste, wherever it's going. So I use natural products, bioenzymes, shikakai, soap nut liquid for all my laundry, my dishwash. So I think... 
awareness is very important on the impact that you have on this planet we are not even aware so basically for me that's the most important thing that i practice things and i talk about it so that people get to understand that these are things that we can also practice so sustainable practices making sure that you don't over consume water you turn off the taps rainwater harvesting is so important in bangalore it's mandated that you recharge the groundwater you collect all your roof water everywhere if it is done then we'll have enough water in the aquifers like you know that way and secondly putting so much chemicals in our agriculture again all of them seep into your waterways because water is connected everywhere so it just enters the groundwater so the toxic water you have it's a huge humongous problem we need to attack it in every way it's not only water contamination which is terrible because it's poison really but also the lowering of our water table so the water availability and therefore of course water wastage is such an important aspect of wellness because even before food really comes water you can't live without water food you can still live without a few days but do you find that this water regeneration is also now on the way up is it being amended are enough people paying attention to it or are we still in a massive danger zone yeah in pockets i think yesterday i met somebody who was saying that we don't have the system here in our city he said in bangalore we have it is mandated but people will still get away with it because enforcement so we are again in that vicious circle of getting everybody to do it every drop of water is so precious that we need to recharge it back into the soil so that it collects into our all right let's get to your core if i can call it that of course you can say otherwise your core work is in composting and can you lead us through some of the elementary steps to make sure that people listening are aware and can hopefully start it in their own small spaces so composting is like magic happening you're mimicking nature so what's happening in the natural world is exactly that when you start composting at your home so a lot of people have a lot of issues with composting because they're not aware of the final happiness that you get when you compost they have constraints of space time it could lead to some issues with smell so these are the main things that they are hesitant so even if they are aware that this is 60% of your waste can i manage it at home can i start composting where do i keep it so space constraint then how do i do it even before that though sorry to interrupt there is of course waste segregation which people yeah. need to understand exactly. wet waste and otherwise so perhaps that's where the journey begins for exactly. people to realize how to segregate their waste and then look after it you're so right because you can't have a clean compostable waste if you didn't segregate if you had one bin in your home and putting all your waste into that because waste is nothing but end of use for you it's not end of life so when you segregate waste you are extending its life like most of the dry waste which is plastic paper metal glass can go back to recycling and you are actually supporting life for another sector an informal sector livelihood opportunities so that he can send it to the recycling in bangalore we have three way segregation it is the wet waste that's organic waste the dry waste which is recyclable and toxic reject waste which is like sanitary waste medical waste and all that so we do it in three categories so once you segregate your waste 60% is your wet waste which comes from your kitchen and to manage it at home should be the easiest because there is a science behind composting but what you are practicing is the art of composting to me it's the art it's the art and the magic of what happens in a compost bin it's brimming with life so you need a container you need a space and uh, you just need to understand the process I failed terribly first time but I continued because I had a reason. So when you compost you should have a very clear reason why you're doing. And it's not expensive. No, it's not. It's not. You can DIY. Take an old paint bucket, wash it well, 
because we're talking about aerobic composting in our home. So it needs a lot of oxygen in it. So you drill some holes, small holes, so that it's kept aerated. Have a ducken, one lid on it. That's it. That's your bin. And churn it once in a while. Yes. When you have to compost, you have your kitchen waste, but that's highly wet. As it starts to break down, there'll be a lot of water. So that's nitrogen part of your compost. You need a carbon part to manage the balance of the moisture. So that is nothing but dry leaves. And dry leaves are in plenty. Every tree sheds dry leaves in season. We just collect those dry leaves and they become the carbon part. And these dry leaves don't get lost because the nature is gifting you amazing resource for you to put it back into soil, not to sweep it away and burn it, causing air pollution also. So you take the dry leaves, you take your kitchen peels, you put them together. And when you mix them, the wet does not get compacted. So you will not have problems with smell. Because when it gets compacted, what happens in the landfill is it becomes anaerobic. There's no oxygen. But when you put the dry leaves with it, it starts to be very fluffy and it has enough oxygen going into it and it breaks down beautifully. And also, if you want to hasten the process, you can always add an accelerator, a culture. And then that's it. Every day, you put your waste into your bin. Once in four days, you turn it around. And once it fills up, leave it for it to mature and let the magic happen because there's enough colony of microorganisms breaking it down. And they start in another bucket. So it's just doing that. And you don't even think it's a chore. It's so exciting. When you want to compost, bring that excitement. And the whole bucket ends up with a little handful of gold. Really. Yeah, it's black gold. Black gold. We call it the black but gold. But just for the record, we compost at home. So, you know, I just want to share that with you. Great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have a little terrace and the plants and everything else. And of course, uh, our own little bit of food that we grow. They're all glowing yeah. because of the natural products that are going in there. So it's a very visible relationship. I will ask you just one thing to end. Do you find any resistance or are you finding more and more support? Because it's not only households that need to do all of this. It's larger organizations as well, big companies, the government itself. Are they all with the plan now or is there still some resistance to doing what is obviously leading to great wellness? I wouldn't say there is much resistance now because people are coming as an organization. We are Solid Waste Management Roundtable, just citizens coming together. And we're getting more and more requests from companies and corporates to come and do workshops, training, you know, so that they all adopt sustainable living. So we do training, not just that, getting people to move, shift to sustainable alternatives. You take sustainable menstruation, not the single-use pads, but reusable cups and sanitary pads, baby diapers, don't use that. So we train people and give them practical demo of what can be the alternatives. So I feel there are more people who are more conscious about climate change. Climate change has reached every home and every company. So they have their CSR activities where they come to. We have a Kalika Kendra here in HSR layout where they get trained on the entire cycle of life. What composting leads to, what kind of food that you can grow. We do a demo on how can you make it sustainable. Your kitchen, how can you make it sustainable? You know, what kind of products can you use? Uh, Non-chemical products. When you go out, what is a travel kit that you can carry where you can refuse, you know, single use? I have a bag. People say, oh, so much things you carry. I said, well, if you think that's a burden, I don't want to burden my planet, you know, my earth. I'd rather take this, carry this burden on me than, you know, you, put put things out like a tissue or a plastic cover or anything like you that. You've got really strong shoulders <laughs> <laughs> on which you're carrying our new earth. But Vani, fantastic work, I've got to say. But, you know, we can't talk endlessly. So I will once again express my appreciation at everything that you're doing. 
to not only focus on individual wellness, but in a sense, a much bigger sense of wellness because of making our earth more sustainable, which is just fabulous work. I don't know what else you may have gone on to do, but I'm so glad that you've turned your whole life into making all of us better by living on a cleaner earth. I have a few questions which can be termed as rapid fire. Okay. <laughs> so we need a quick answer, a short answer from you. Okay. Are you ready for that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Question one. Composting as a family activity or individual endeavor? Mostly individual. Okay, for now. Number two. If you had the attention of the entire world for a moment, what would you say? Deep dive into understanding your lifestyle's impact on this planet. Your life's mantra in three words. Tension leni ka ne. What is your go-to wellness practice? Staying very close to nature. You're right. I mean, nature is such an important aspect of our life. Finally, choose one. Zero waste lifestyle or sustainable living? Sustainable living. Because there's nothing like humans can't be zero waste. Well, Vani, that's all we have uh, for you in our chat today. And I must say, it's been a fantastic experience. I wish you more power and wind beneath your wings. I hope many more people adopt composting and realize that we're all responsible, as you said, that famous quote about borrowing the earth for those who are to follow. And it's because of you and people like you and everything that you do that the earth hopefully will be a better place to live in. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you, Charu. Well, that ends another episode of the House of Wellness Season 2. Hope you enjoyed the chat with Vani, who is an absolute... What compost queen she said, or worm runny in whatever she does. And it was such a delight to listen to her and all the fabulous things that she is doing to help us understand that sustainability, that composting, that making the earth a better place is actually our wellness mantra as well, uh, in terms of our holistic wellness, which is our mantra for the House of Wellness Season 2. You have to have enjoyed that chat. I certainly did. But remember, it is all about you. So be well, stay well, be kind to yourself, compost, and we'll see you next time. You were listening to House of Wellness Season 2, powered by Himalaya Wellness Company, streaming on Geo Savan.